Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. Good evening, everyone. Bear with me, as uh, this is my first time doing a capital campaign for the bishop and the diocese in our own parish. So if you're if the narrative that you normally hear is, oh, the Catholic Church is always asking for money, tonight would make that feel come true. Okay? I'm not going to hide that at all. Right? However, it's also true that, um, I don't know if you know this, from the very beginning, the church has asked money. It's what Jesus' disciples did. And the Franciscans, St. Francis of Assisi, reformed the church. What were they? They were beggars. They asked for money. They had nothing on their own. They looked to the people who could provide. Why? Well, hopefully, so that the holiness and beauty of Jesus continues to enter into people's lives, and people's lives become meaningful, joyful, life-giving, right? There's certain costs to operate, but there's certain costs also to put on abilities so that people can actually ask the questions and meet Jesus. So, with that said, I want to, many of you have already heard or you've seen it in the bulletin, it's called the Heart of the Shepherd Campaign. This was started by Bishop Perez when he was here, and it's been continued by Bishop Malesic. When I got here back in October 4th last year, they asked me about that fall to start the campaign. And I said, well, I don't even know anyone. I don't know that that would be a good time. So uh, I, they said, well, how about the winter? And I said, well, what else you got? So then they tried this last spring, and I could only kick the can down the street for so long. All right, so it was this fall. And the Heart of the Shepherd campaign has four components to it for the whole diocese. Three of them will help out in the diocesan level. We'll have a video so you don't have to hear me the whole night that will kind of unpack those. But actually, the largest percentage stays here at St. Basil's. 65 cents on every dollar raised stays right here at St. Basil the Great Parish from the very first dollar. Once we reach our goal, everything above that 80 cents on the dollar stays right here at St. Basil the Great. So the question is, well, what is our goal? Our goal is $1.1 million. Now, here's the amazing thing. Before I got here, Father Walt talked to me and he said, he said, Ryan, they're good people. You'll never have to worry about anything. I said, well, that's nice to not have to worry about anything. All right. And I said, well, you know, I'll have to see it for myself, but that's really good news. Before we're coming to you this weekend, I met with individual donors over the past two months, and we've raised $840,000 already. So St. Basil's continues to be a parish that knows the value of church, and I want to thank all of those donors for meeting with me, and I want to let all of you who are now being a part of this mission to this weekend that the momentum is really strong and really, really good. So... The biggest question probably for all of us is going to be, what are the funds here at St. Basil's going to be used for? Well, when I arrived here, Father Walt and Deacon Luth both said, I said, is there anything I need to know about any building where something's falling apart or anything like that? They said, no, you're getting great buildings, but you do need to do a little work inside the church. Father Walt said, "Uh, you know, I could have made a decision five years ago to put a lot of money into the church. He said, but I thought... What's the point of that when the next guy after me is going to be stuck with my decision for 20 to 30 years? It's incredibly humble of Father Walt, considering most pastors can't wait to make their statement. 
Father Walt went the opposite direction, said, let the next guy kind of have his mark with his team. Then Deacon Lou said, everything Father Walt said was right, and actually it got accelerated with all the COVID protocols, spraying all those chemicals and whatnot, began to eat away at certain things, sped up some of the aging process. So the funds that we receive are going to stay in this building. They're going to be put completely into this building. Many of you might have seen the video that I put out with the help of Tommy Dome two weeks ago. But in that video, I talked about some of the needs. There's four big needs. And before I talk about those, I want to let you know this isn't like me just walking around coming up with things on my own. In the spring, I put together a updating committee. The church would normally call it a renovating committee, but I don't like that word. It sounds too dramatic. It's an updating committee. And in that committee, we've got people young and old. People have been a part of the parish for 40 years. People have been joining in the last year. Some are architects, some are construction workers, some have no experience in building, but just no church. And I asked them to sit in different pews and locations to walk around the church. I also asked them to go to other churches in the diocese they like. We came back together and gave our reflections, and we compiled all of them. And we realized we had two tiers to work off of. First one were definite needs, and other ones would be dreams or wants. So I want to let you know first off the category of needs. New carpet, pews, lighting, and sound. All right, The carpet, you can just feel free after Mass, walk around, walk up, look at it. Uh, it's different colors. Imagine that you had carpet in your house, and every Sunday you had about a thousand people walk through your living room. All right, And imagine doing that for around 20 years. That's just where we are with the carpeting. It wasn't that we bought cheap carpeting long ago or anything like that. You got about a thousand people walking around over 20 years, begins to deteriorate, needs a little update. How about the pews? Well, the corners are chipped. Sometimes some of the tape that had been ripped off took finishing off of it at different times. And it was time to update some of the pews as well. I don't have to say sound because nearly all of you have talked to me about it before or after Mass, but we do have a new sound guy and he's doing the best he can with our equipment, but he says our equipment is reaching its max capacity and it's time to look at that. And then I have a friend who studies at the Florence School of Art. She was in town for the summer. I said, why don't you come to my church? I'm going to sit in the back and pray my breviary. Just walk around for like 15 minutes and then tell me what you see. So she said, well, the first thing that dawns on me is the lighting. You have an invisible ceiling about 30% of the way down, which shrinks the church. She said, and then you have no lighting going up on the walls. And so you have a very dark spot that makes the brick look old and weathered. When really, when you get close, the brick is really a nice cream and rose. She said, churches are meant to have you drawn up out of yourself in worship, not huddled down into yourself. So talked to the team about that, and we said, boy, new lighting would, could really break this place shine and make some of the beauty of the brick be seen. So that's some of the needs. Some of the dreams and wants are updating to the sanctuary. Several people in the pews told me my first week in here, Father, we would love a new tabernacle. Ours is kind of plain for the most blessed sacrament. So I filed that away and said, okay, maybe one day. So perhaps a tabernacle. The Mary and Joseph statues on each side they said, what if we turn those actually into little shrines so they wouldn't be right against the brick, but some beautiful art showing them as the saints that we depend upon for prayer. Some thought has been tile in the sanctuary to set it apart. Sanctuary means holy place, as this is the holy place 
within the holy building. There's no ideas off the table at this point because what the committee realized was we don't know where people are coming out of COVID. We don't know what they're able to give and we certainly didn't want to come forward with a vision that we wouldn't be able to reach. So we said, let's wait and see what people are able to give. And so that's kind of what the Heart of the Shepherd campaign is all about for us, is seeing what all of you are able to give, what your dreams are for this building. And I want to take a little bit of time to unpack why a church building should be beautiful, just because we need to revisit this often. Every bishop, priest, and nun and deacon right now are praying in the Liturgy of Hours, which is our prayer book. We're reading about Israel being destroyed and coming back together over and over again in the Old Testament. It's pretty interesting. When the nation of Israel gets beat up by one country, they come back years later and then they win this time because they repented and they said, we're going to do God's will. So God's on their side this time. They win. When they take back their territory, the first thing Israel does every single time is rebuild the temple. They don't try to find, is my home still there? And say, hey, was that bakery shop on 3rd still in business? That was, hey, they had great food over there. The first thing they do is they rebuild the temple. Because they knew that if they got their relationship with God right, everything else in their life would fall into place. They knew that if their life was ordered around God, everything in their life would be a blessing and draw them closer to him. And they knew that if they had a visible, physical, beautiful place, worshiping God and remembering the nobility of God's people would be easier for them and they'd awaken to their values and beliefs. And so they always rebuilt the temple every time. Did they ignore the poor? Of course not. In fact, they always kept saying, we have to look after the widows, the orphans, right? It wasn't to the exclusion, but in the in addition to. Same thing, as soon as Christianity was no longer illegal, they began to build beautiful shrines, basilicas, and churches. Why? Because we know when we go into a place that's beautiful and ordered, reverence is born. There's an awe. We begin to relax. In the late 60s and early 70s, some of you here, but some of you weren't here yet, but people gave of their time, talent, and treasure to say, we want a church in Brecksville, Ohio, because we want us, our kids, our grandkids, people who move to the area to be able to hear the word of God and to receive the Eucharist in a building that bore the dignity of God and who we are as his people. And they sacrificed generously, and we've been the beneficiaries of it for quite a while. Now, like any building, it needs an updating, and we're the next generation to help. So that's what the funds are going to go to on the local level, is making St. Basil's a community, but in particular a church building that reminds people of the greatness of being God's sons and daughters. It also has a diocesan component, helping the seminaries, retired priests, and newly ordained with some debt. And so I want to play this video now so you can see the larger diocesan impact of what your generosity and mine can affect. I remember my first time in the seminary, I really was wondering, what, what will this be like? What will the seminarians be like? Will I be accepted? Will this be a place where I'm going to flourish? All my fears were swept aside when I started studying with other people who had a similar call. And coming to this seminary, I reflected on the six great years I had while I was studying for the priesthood. 
these are going to be the future ordained leaders of our parish communities. So human formation, spiritual formation, pastoral formation, academic formation, they're all critical to provide the best ordained leaders we can provide for our church in the future. This campaign helps those who are preparing for the priesthood, helps those who are recently ordained, as some of them come with great debt from their prior educational world, and helps those who so faithfully walked with us and have served us, have served you. This campaign also helps our parishes, which have been challenged by the impact of the global pandemic by providing financial resources for pressing local needs. Eleven years ago, the family's journey began bringing our son Patrick to seminary as he discerned becoming a priest. As a parent, we wanted the best for Patrick, who's now a priest in the Cleveland Diocese. With the relationships I developed over the years with faculty and staff members, we often talked about how we can make this great place better. The buildings of our seminary are over 70 years old. They have one pump on campus that supplies heat. There's no air conditioning. One plug, imagine having one plug in your room for your alarm clock, computer, for music. Our seminary is long overdue to be updated. For these men, the seminary is their home. And I look at the fact that I lived there for nine years, that was home for me. The physical space needs to inspire men to say, this is a place of formation and it's an investment that I see that the seminary is making in me and they're taking my formation seriously. And it's saying, we value you enough to make sure that the environment in which you're being formed helps with your education, helps with your spirituality, and helps with your humanity. The living area of our seminary will be updated, creating a room that is soundproof, creating a space that is 40% larger for our college seminary and 60% larger for our theologians. We're also looking to add a lounge area that will allow them to socialize together, watch TV. There will also be places for group study and prayer. Besides the living space, we need to renovate Resurrection Chapel. This will be a place where many of them will find the clarity of their vocation. This will be the place where many of them will continue to find courage to serve as a diocesan or religious priest. The people of this diocese have supported our seminary in its many transitions. We look forward to this renovation project because this is our hope for the future. This will allow this structure to continue to serve the diocese, hopefully for 70 years and beyond. I think we absolutely have a responsibility to our priests. They lay down their lives for us. They're there every moment of our lives for us. They're there throughout the good times. And they're there not just to give us the sacraments, but to share in that celebration for us. They're part of it. They're like family. And they're there when the bad times come too. All the tough decisions and helping us with that burden and sharing that loss with us. If we have older people in our own families that retire, we step up to help them because they're family. Our priests are family too. They've always been there for us, and now we need to be there for them. Most graduates, 
can reasonably expect to go into a good paying job after they leave college and they can reasonably expect that they're going to get promotions and pay raises on a regular basis. None of that is true for the seminarians. And I think the average debt for most seminarians is over $40,000. On a priest's salary, that's going to be very tough to pay off. When I entered seminary out of high school, uh, I went into Borromeo, and at Borromeo we're educated at John Carroll. And also, too, just part of that is there's a cost. I was able to get scholarships, but there was still some sense that I had to pick up loans, and I was responsible for paying them back. We're not seeing as many people in church as we would like to, and certainly the pandemic has been the, the cause of that. And there are some areas in the diocese that are really, really hurting to kind of keep the revenues up. And the other element of the campaign, and probably the beauty of it, is that it is designed to bring money back to the parishes to help through these difficult days and hopefully shore up some things that have been lost through these last several months. After going through my years of formation here, I can appreciate what this building has done and they've been so instrumental in my own formation. But then going out to the people of God, being with the people of God, being a shepherd for them, being a, a man that they can call father, that's what I'm looking forward to the most. We're very fortunate that we have our seminaries right here in this diocese and we train our young men to become priests and to then serve us in our diocese. These men, in each of their own way, radiate the heart of a shepherd. What does that mean? To be compassionate like Jesus Christ, to be welcoming, to be forgiving, to offer God's love abundantly to everyone they meet. By giving to the Heart of a Shepherd Capital Campaign, you are helping our seminarians today. But more than that, you're helping all those who will be ordained in the future. You're also helping our parishes where these men will serve as leaders. You're providing a future for our church, our parishes for decades to come. So to wrap up with a few comments here, Pope Francis just opened a brand new wing of the Vatican Art Museum. And he said, beauty is so important to the human experience because as Jesus says, we do not live on bread alone. Meaning just meeting our biological needs is not enough. That keeps us alive. But to have a good life, we need meaning and beauty. And he says, beauty draws us to the infinite. And so between the help of the beauty of the seminary, built in 1940s for nuns, and here we are in the 21st century with men studying there, that needs updated. I joke that the pension fund is so Father Walt can have a Dortmunder and a beer, but it's a lot more than that. Right? It's so that all the way into the future, foreseeably, priests who have served throughout their life can have a retirement fund. And then certain priests can be ordained with it up to $80,000 of debt on a priest's salary. That can follow them for very long. So it helps not pay it off, but helps them to stay current and get a plan. So what am I asking practically? Just like in the gospel today, I'm just trying to echo Jesus's words and ask you to give what you can. The amount is secondary to what you can give. Jesus was incredibly impressed with two cents. All right? Why? Because he knew for her that was incredibly generous. Either Jesus doesn't know how to count or he knows what counts. What counts is our ability to do what we can. And every donor I met with, I said this, and I, can still, I want to say it this weekend to all of you. 
I don't want this parish to be my parish. I don't even want it to be your parish. I want it to be God's. In order for that to happen, we need to do God's will. And so you reflect on your finances, you ask God, and then you do what you can. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.